Welcome to The Bible Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and often make a playlist. I'm Matt Caleb, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Pierce. I'm coming to you from windswept Boulder, Colorado, where I serve as a pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry into a community of students called Bread and Belonging, supported by LCM and St. Nate's Fiscal Church here in the 38th state, man. The 38th state. Colorado is the 38th state. 38th state to join the union. Wow. Centennial state? Centennial. Mm-hmm. I was going to say silver, but no, that's Nevada. Yeah. It's probably our... I'll look it up for you. Gold. Uh, we probably... Silver and gold. We like we like <laughs> minerals as well here. I mean, the Denver Nuggets, aren't they... I, I assume it's not chicken nuggets. It's Nobody knows for sure. <laughs> Nobody knows for sure. It seems like a good promotional opportunity, though. I mean... If there's a, a certain fast food chain based in the Chicago suburbs who's interested in sponsoring the podcast via the NBA franchise, the Denver Nougats, uh, holler at us. McDonald's presents. That's right. That would give us a wonderful opportunity to expand our concert production business. It is, you know, um, now that I'm in the because, biz. Because I recently received in the mail an invitation from Vinyl Preacher... Productions, I believe. <laughs> My wife took a picture of it and, and texted me a picture like, what? <laughs> what is happening? What's this? <laughs> and it was a fancy invitation, Zach, to a concert. The Vinyl Preacher Presents. Oh, yeah. Clem Snide. It's happening. Uh, it's our first show, and it's happening for us, Matt, in a little over 24 hours. <laughs> and listener, you may How? be thinking, Matt's coming to the concert, so surely you're recording in person this week. No, no, that's not no. how we do things. <laughs> nope. How are the preparations going? Things are going great, Matt. Uh, it's been a little stressful of a week for me. I'm out of quarantine. That's most important. Uh, my daughter is back in school. She got to go to school on Wednesday, but today is Veterans Day, Thursday. So no school on that day. And then due to staff shortages, the entire school district is closed on Friday. So she's got a four-day weekend after that tough one day of school. Then she gets to go back for a whole week before another entire week off for Thanksgiving. And so uh, education month here in the uh, Paris household. But uh, outside of that, my mother-in-law is already here. She also received an invitation and came is coming to the concert. Uh, so combining mother-in-law with uh, my very first in-home concert. I did a lot of cleaning, Matt. I went to Home Depot. I bought a number of attachments that you can put on your electrical drill with brushes on the end. <laughs> nice. Uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you, Matt, but I cleaned the oven, uh, the uh, exhaust fan. I polished that. It's looking really... I cleaned the sh- glass shower door. Uh, all the little things that you're like, oh, I'll do that one day. Uh, I've decided I'm going to do it this week because if I don't, Clemson's not going to be my best friend forever. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like an exciting week. We got the catering ordered. Uh, we've got some catering connections through my wife's... Uh, former employer uh, nice we've got uh i've gotten i've got some heaters lined up matt because we're going to be outside we're going to keep it safe it is not good in colorado right now especially if you've not had a vaccine it's pretty bad for you uh currently so uh we want to keep it as safe as we can we're going to be outside it's going to be so dark matt it's going to be super dark uh, i did change i got a new light fixture on the back porch uh, so that's going to help with the illumination along with the party lights and some heaters to help keep folks like yourself, especially, Matt. I was concerned. Uh, I was going to put something about how you should bring your best puffy coat, and uh, but I didn't want to leave you out. 
<laughs> yeah, no, people here wear puffy coats when it gets to be 60-some degrees. That's yeah. lovely. You know, when it, when it dips below 70, you bring out your puffy coat. You might need to bring two hoodies, man. <laughs> two LSTC hoodies. I'm wearing my LSTC, repping, repping my new merch. I left my coffee cup at home. I was a little um, surprised. Matt, you sent the link, and you were like, look, they've got merch. And I should I have known. I should have known that you love the merch so much that you would buy... <laughs> I did. I have absolutely bought my seminary merch. I don't have hardly any merch from the college uh, that I went to. Uh, I have. I do have a shirt from the high school that I went to because my brother works there now. That's the only reason. (laughs) It's nice. It's nice though. It's like one of those like lightweight uh, half quarter zip. It's it's nice. Nice piece of merch. I appreciate it, Greg. You can do some coaching with that. Thank you. I know Greg listens every week. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Wear it all the time uh, when I go running and whatnot. Uh, But really, like you know, I gotta have some merch from these educational institutions. Historically, seminary merch is uh, I feel like an undervalued uh, sector. Especially when we were there, like, like I tell students about how this was true for you as well, right? Like, so I go to college and everything's online, right? You register online, you do all these things online. And then after college, I went to seminary and we had to use carbon paper to register for classes the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was remarkable, Matt. Uh, and uh, not going to believe it, but uh, the merch selection wasn't huge. Was not huge. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 And it doesn't take much to make merch uh, these days, which is why we have so much of it here at the Vinyl Preacher. You easily get your stickers, hoodies, That's right. It's um, easy. Somewhere. You get those. Yeah, uh, that little bookstore in the basement. Gosh, mm-hmm. what was that? How long did that even last? I don't know, like a year or two when we were there. I don't know when. Uh, it left, but it left while we were there, I think. It did. <laughs> it did. They were really excited. Again. One of my favorite parts of Lutheran history is uh, the ELCA releasing a new physical print worship book in the year of our Lord, 2006, right before mm-hmm. it would be really clear that uh, no one would want worship well, books. Well, they just—I mean, they did just also release uh, in the year of our Lord, 2020, another uh, physical worship book, a supplement oh, yeah. to that one. So. Do you, are you not, it's not campus ministry, it's not, um, it's not the latest ELCA supplement They've worship hymnal known as All Creation that. Sings. It's, it's purple, it's the purple one. Uh, it's a whole, that sounds familiar. It's got some, I, I don't, got some stuff in it. I don't think I have a copy, maybe I do. <laughs> We're still moving the office, so I have boxes of books in places that I need to. Gotcha get through eventually. I don't know where we're at in the rabbit hole, but uh, are you preparing for a there concert? There will be merch. Almost ready. There will be, there merch, will be merch. You need to know, Clem Eve is bringing his merch. Uh, so that's... Yes. Pretty exciting. I've got some... Uh, on my way out of the office today, Matt, I'm going to take some extra collection plates to pass around, <laughs> even though I suspect we'll do it all on... I, <laughs> I was a little... Yeah, that's what I was... Because it does say... That you'll pass the the invitation, dear listener, says that uh, Zach will pass the proverbial hat. And so I want to know how proverbial it would be, because I don't usually carry that much cash. So I didn't know if it was a proverbial hat like you would take Venmo. That would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll, like, tape my Venmo QR code on the bottom of the... (laughs) Yes, there you go. Because I don't expect anyone to have cash. Fantastic. So, uh, before we get there... We have a Sunday to discuss. We got to talk about the last Sunday of the year. It's the end of the world. Oh, love it, Matt. I've been listening. 
speaking of the end of the world, to uh, Bandsplain, which is Spotify's like official band podcast where they do like the deep dive into bands, and uh, it's different and good. It's uh, they're really long, so I've been listening to the REM one, which is pretty good, um, but it's like five hours long. And you what? know, on, on many like of the like professional music podcasts, they play like a snippet of a song. They do full songs. Uh, you can kind of click through it and like you can be like, because I was only half listening to it while I was working, you know, and I was like, what song is that? You can scroll back and play it through Spotify. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's awesome. I did uh, I did get an REM album in the mail recently. Their, their 20th anniversary, I believe. 25th. 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. I can't do math. Of uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. It's good, obviously. Obviously. Here's my only critique, though. Um, now that I'm listening to vinyl records, is that I prefer my vinyl records to put on one record. Because if I have to oh. get up twice to go flip it over, I yeah. like I find myself it's listening to one record, and then I got to get up and I got to put the next record on. Like, and then sometimes they'll pitch it like, uh, like the Killers put on an album, and it was like they slowed it down. Like they make them thick. They can all like I'm like I don't need. Maybe there's an audio file that's like, yep, I only want two songs on each side, so they're really high quality or something. And I'm like, <laughs> just, just put it all on one record. Just put one. it all on there. That's fine. I agree. There was a good one-liner, or not a one-liner, kind of like a thing I uh, wanted to share, I guess, Matt. Uh, so there's like a host in the Nippergown, an expert, and the person is uh, Karen, uh, what's her name? Just just wrote a book on Patti Smith, uh, and she's like the REM expert. And she really is, it turns out, like friends with the band and stuff. So she's got great stories. Uh, and uh, they're listening to some of the early albums uh, in some of the early songs and the host is like you know it, it sounds a little dated like a little dated uh, it's a good song but it sounds a little dated it sounds like a little 80s and, there, and Karen was like well yeah I mean it kind of sounds 80s in part because like this is where everybody was like oh this is what the 80s is going to sound like and this is like <laughs> that's probably why it sounds 80s it's because everybody was like oh that's the sound we like and we're going to do this for the next 10 years I was like, snap. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not dated. They just invented it. <laughs> they just invented it. <laughs> yeah. Also, the constant insults to Peter Buck's uh, guitar ability. <laughs> Which I don't think I really knew that Peter Buck was, like, really known for being a, not being a good guitarist. Really? Uh, this yeah. is a thing? It's a thing, evidently. She was like, yeah, like nobody would say like Peter Buck's a good guitarist, right? And in fact, like I was at a show <laughs> and I was sitting with some like musician friends of mine and they were like, look, Peter Buck has no idea what he's doing. He's just waiting for someone to tell him what chords he should be playing. <laughs> it gives me a lot of hope for myself, Matt. Maybe I can still be in a, a band that travels the world. There you go. Or at least plays right. backyard concerts. At least. Hey, Scott, I would play your backyard. <laughs> But there's an obvious Amazing. segue for today, man. <laughs> What's the obvious segue? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to spoil a little bit of what I'm going to put on my playlist. Uh, mm. the, the first track off of Clem's new album. That, again, you got to go out and buy. If you can't find it online, just stop by my house on Friday night, and the merch tent will be there, and I'm sure you can get a, a copy of it at the merch tent at my house. Then you have to leave, though, because attendance is limited. Um, <laughs> is uh, Roger Ebert. That's about Roger Ebert's dying mm. words uh, and so uh, Roger Ebert's last words uh, carry us into Matt 
getting to hear David's last word. John Green, for a while, like looking for Alaska era, you know, his first novel was super into like people's last words. Mm. You know, there I don't was think a I read thing looking for Alaska. Oh, yeah. The like protagonist in Looking for Alaska, like that's his like nerd thing. And so he knows like hundreds of people's last words, like. Like Shay Guevara's uh, last words were, uh, go ahead and shoot me, you're only going to kill a man. <laughs> what? <laughs> Winston Churchill's dying words were, uh, I'm bored with it all. So this is the thing, following the dying words. Yeah, you could just do a whole album around that. Emily Dickinson's was like, uh, I must leave now for the fog is rising. Uh I'm sure none of these things were actually the last words people had, you know, because I'm guessing most of the, most people's last words are like, Ugh. right, um, <laughs> and not something incredibly clever and poetic. Maybe There's I, this whole thing, though, right? That your last poetic. words are somehow like super important. Yeah, is that true? Um, probably is it going to be true in these texts? But we get to hear the last words of David. Oh, there you go. Good transition. As you mm-hmm. can tell, I've read the text ahead of time. Uh, these, these are the last words. These are the last words of David. It's all an elaborate hoax. What he said. Oh, no, I read them oh, wrong lines. Wrong the Oracle of David, son of Jesse. Not as poetic. The Oracle of David, son of Jesse. The Oracle of the man whom God exalted. The anointed of the God of Je- I mean, this is like, these are a lot of last words. I Maybe this is not actually what he said. The noise of the God he of Jacob. referred to himself in the third person in his <laughs> <Right>. last words. He <laughs> brought my scroll, the favorite of the strong one of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His word is upon my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of morning, like the sun, rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. Is not my house like this with God? Pretty humble. Pretty humble guy. <laughs> For he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. Will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But the godless are like, are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be picked up with the hand. To touch them one uses an iron bar or the shaft of a spear, and they are entirely consumed in fire on the spot. Word of God? Word of fire. And then he died immediately afterwards. And then he died immediately after. Spot. Ironically consumed by fire. Why would you end it there? Who like who chose these texts? Kevin Strickland. It's interesting. Kevin Strickland. <laughs> interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah. What uh you got thoughts on this this year? Well, you know, well, I mean this this is I would encourage you to or if I were actually preaching this day, I would uh would include this text because it would it is a variable versus like the assigned text that you get every year for Christ the King Sunday. Mm. Um, so this is a tied into the the semi continuous part of things. Um, you know, I'd, I'd probably explore some of the last word stuff. I, there's not again my old complaint. Not a story here, really. Uh, and I like stories, and especially like stories in the uh, Hebrew Bible. Um, but we don't get one of those right here. Um, it stops right there, Matt. I'm just looking that up for you um, because then it goes into a list. Um, the names of David's warriors, 
uh, and uh, genealogy and stuff. This, the narrative here is concluded. Uh, huh. Then there's more to... Anyway, we're not going to completely solve the mystery of what's going on in the Samuel books, but not a ton here. The thing that struck me is one... Because there is something positive here. I think, and because you got a lot of just like David's fantastic, I'm fantastic. Uh, people mm-hmm. who are godless are going to get uh, burnt up in a crisp. Um, but one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of morning. Um, so there is a vision for what I think God hopes and dreams for our life together and what leadership uh, in the earthly realm could look like, including uh, justice and ruling in the fear of God. And the thing that strikes for me is uh, I've been doing this queer catechism thing all semester, and it only has taken us uh, 10 weeks, Matt. 10 weeks we've gotten through the Ten Commandments, doing one a week, except the week we did zero commandments, uh, but we did two. We're going to do two this Monday because nine and ten are basically the same about coveting. Uh, but Luther's uh, small catechism, right? His uh, explanation begins always, we are to fear and love God so that. Um, and uh, a part of what we've been doing and talking about is is we're supposed, like, a pretty uncomfortable thing for students has been the idea that we're supposed to fear God. Hmm. Right? And one of the places we've ended up that feels helpful to us is a fear that when we do not live, um, the fear of, of what happens when we don't live kind of in 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 harmony, in, in the kind of rhythms and patterns that God holds and hopes for us because that has real consequences for people, right? So like when, when the commandments are not heeded, um, what results is uh, is real fear, right? Like concern hmm. fear when we do not have concern for our neighbor and we we don't take vaccines. Uh, horrific things happen, and we should fear those things. Yeah, yeah, I hear that, and that really in the fear of God. Yeah, I think with this text, I probably would just circle last words and riff on that a while. <laughs> There's too much of the rest of it that feels like uh, Brueggemann calls it royal theology. I think he reads the Old Testament in a way where there's like propaganda for the royalty and um, mm-hmm. and then an alternative perspective. Um, so yeah, it just it feels like I don't like I don't know what it's I don't know what it's doing here. I get the last words piece. I feel like that makes sense for the last Sunday of the year, uh, but I don't know. Maybe it takes us once again to I don't find kingship that inspiring. <laughs> and at least with the gospel, it, it does some like undermining of that in, a, in an interesting way. Whereas this, I don't think does. Well, maybe that's the thing that, that can start to undermine it. Like, I don't think last words are very important. Like, I don't think they, they should be any more important than other, any other words that you that you say, right? Perhaps uh, the idea for why last words are important comes from the idea that that as folks get um, so close to death, perhaps they can tell us something about what it is to come and uh, have a perspective that none of us have. Um, but I don't know that they're that important, right? That the what you do at the end is not magically more important than the things you did every day throughout your life, right? Your everyday words matter much more than your last words do. And I think when you read it, 
you can kind of see that the the royal the the propaganda the royal propaganda is not very helpful to us. Um, the stuff that's about David himself, right? Sounds great, right? It's, it kind of you know throwback to David's incredibly beautiful stuff. Uh, interesting detail doesn't help me currently. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the, the, what I found is most helpful in this uh, is, the, is the part where uh, David is kind of taken out of it and one who rules over people justly. It's talking in the abstract, or not abstract, but it takes, you know, third person. Um, and that there is this under, the thing that really helps us is not David as the king lifted on high, but uh, why David matters is, hmm. is David matters in as much as he ruled justly uh, and with the fear of the Lord, which he didn't always do. Yeah, yeah. No, I meant to that. That seems important. That seems important. Plus, what a great image. Consumed in fire on the spot. Bang. And you can use that, right? Like, like I don't think you need to throw that part away. Like, because it is really good imagery. Uh, but that I would use it perhaps... Uh, less in an individual sense, but more in uh, the abstract sense, that very often we live under rulers who do not rule justly, who do not rule in the fear of God. Um, and uh, kind of in contrast to some of the things God has said in the past about like, I don't think this is great, but we'll go with it. Um, there is a sense here in which God's like, actually, the stuff where your rulers, the parts of, of your life together where rulers rule unjustly, and with no fear for, for the or regard for their neighbor, that is going to be completely obliterated. There is no place for it hmm. in the kingdom God is bringing. Not necessarily that God's going to uh, incinerate Lauren Boebert. Hey, Amen. So let's see. Let's see what's in this gospel then. John eighteen. We got interesting pruning here as well, Matt, because um, you only get one, two, three, four, maybe five verses. Pilate entered the headquarters again, which is a little confusing in terms of motion. We get like we jump into the middle of the story. So what has happened is Jesus has had his like uh, his real trial with uh, with Caiaphas and the the chief priests and stuff, and they have condemned him. And so now they are taking Jesus over to, to Herod because, uh, according to Jewish law and the results of the trial here, Jesus should be executed. But as we recall, the Judeans and all of Israel are occupied by the Roman Empire, who does not allow other people to go around killing people because they want to. Uh, not that the Romans are opposed to killing people, but they are opposed to other people killing people without their express written uh, consent. And so they have to go beg our friend Pontius Pilate to, uh, to do them a solid and kill this guy they want to be deadified. And so uh, they walk up to the steps and they bring Jesus and Pilate has to walk out to greet them uh, in part because it would make uh, the religious officials unclean to enter into uh, what is essentially a Roman temple, right? You're going to have shrines to the Roman gods throughout that space. And that's going to make them unclean and unable to observe the Passover that happens that evening. So they can't go inside the building. Uh, so you got kind of a vampire's, uh, what we do in the shadow situation. They need to be invited in. Uh, and so Jesus gets invited in, which is an interesting dynamic to this whole thing that, that Pilate walks walks Jesus into the temple. So Jesus, uh, who's already been condemned, is made unclean, uh, kind of against his will here. Uh, so Pilate enters the headquarters. He summons Jesus. They go into that interior courtyard. And uh, 
Todd asked an interesting question, one that we might hear and be like, oh, yeah, I remember how this story is. Are you the king of the Jews or the Judeans? Uh, again, you should translate this as Judeans because it's complex. Uh, because Pilate uh, doesn't really care about the locals, it turns out. Um, he is occupying all of Israel, uh, which includes Judea, which is where Jerusalem is. And so he assumes that all the people around there, uh, the natives who are not Roman, are Judean. Jesus is not Judean. That's the interesting part. Uh, and so he's a, Jesus is Galilean, right? Uh, the question, if he was to be uh, embracing a little more accompaniment in his colonialism, he should have said, are you the king of the Galileans? Uh, so there's, there's this insult not only to Jesus, but to the Judeans as well, that, that's going to run throughout, right? Like, so when Jesus gets crucified on a cross that says king of the Judeans, it's an insult not just to Jesus, but to the whole people that like, oh, here's your king who's not even Judean and a person that you said was unclean. And um, it, they're squashing everybody here. They're, they're not playing favorites. Uh, you all need to know your place here. Uh, so he summons Jesus and asks me, are you king of the Judeans? And Jesus answers, uh, do you ask this on your own or did others tell you about me? He, he, uh, he's kind of like, oh, you've heard about me, uh, is, is how you can kind of read between the lines here. Uh, and Pilate replies, uh, I'm not a Judean, am I? I don't know who you are. Uh, your own nation and your chief priests is handing you over to me. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've done. What have you done? And Jesus answered, wow, my kingdom is not from this world. My kingdom are from this world. My fighter, my followers will be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Judeans. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate answered, asked him, so you are a king. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king. And for this, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth, to martyr to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Quick Greek thing, uh, everyone who belongs to the truth, I, as the pastor of a community of students called Bread and Belonging, I was like, oh, what's the, what's the belong word here? There is no belong word. It's uh, everyone who is of the truth. Hmm. Everyone to be of the truth uh, listens to my voice. And we cut it off there. There's more back and forth that's going to come, but this is all you get for now. Yeah. I mean, I think even though it doesn't have the word belong. It does seem like there's an element of belonging going on with that preposition of and and from Jesus is like my kingdom is not from here. Um so where is he from? Like which kingdom do we belong to? Which uh which promise do we belong to? Especially if like all right, so this is Christ the King Sunday and we are acknowledging the the already not yet of that uh that all right, so Christ is king, but also we're like looking ahead to this promised day. Uh, what, what kingdom are we declaring allegiance to, right? And I would, I mean, whether it's, I don't know, there's different ways to think about that, but I think there's, there's some element of belonging. There's some, there's some element how that's tied up with identity. All your favorite hits, Zach. All your favorites. Oh, man. Bring your passport this Sunday. Um, that's what I would do, Matt. Uh, you love National Bring Parks passports. Passport. Everybody loves passports. Uh, you gotta have a... A St. Mark's passport stamp this Sunday as people walk in and ask for their passports and <laughs> give them a stamp. What if you had a church passport everywhere you went? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just got a new passport. Uh, but I know there are people in my congregation that have passports from different countries. Plenty of folks with their Belizean passports that they use when they travel. So I wonder, you could do some stuff. Maybe I, maybe I should preach on passports. It could be See? fun. Passaportes? 
Zelma calls her uh, ski pass, her passport, her ski passport. <laughs> Learning Spanish uh, and English at the same time, you you get some interest in Spanglish from time to time. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, I like passport. How do passaportes turn into uh, good news? Right. Hmm. Hmm. I mean. I mean, the way that I, I don't know, now you're going to ask me to think out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would normally, like, I often use the imagery of documentation when thinking about baptism. If you use Erlander's uh, baptism uh, book, uh, he's got all these different images, and one of them is, like, citizenship documents, which is, like, actually really powerful when you have uh, a community where people are literally from different countries to say, like, hey... There's one that supersedes all these, uh, and even if you don't have documentation, here's one that's even more important. And so I'd usually like run with that. I don't know if I could. I wonder how I'd run with that um, in this with this particular text. I mean, you could you could probably get there, but um, I don't know. That's normally the the thread I would pull. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think in the United States, a country that is so big that you pretty easily can can go your your whole life without having a passport because you never need to leave <laughs> right to leave, yeah. you can we got, for, a, we got every store here we don't need to yeah. <laughs> well they got cheesecake factories in england now yeah um cheesecake factory governor um there is something lost or not lost just a, a lack of realization of of the way that we belong to a, a kingdom, uh, a government, whatever it is that you call it, um, and that that like matters and really like shapes what we're able to do. You know, I I think my most powerful moment with uh, with passports was when I took students to Israel Palestine, and we were in Hebron, and um, the Israeli Defense Force was not super excited about us being there because we were touring um, hmm. the, the place where there's an Israeli settlement inside of uh, a Palestinian city. And it's not, not cool, uh, nor is it chill. And um, they didn't want us to be there. But because we had U.S. passports, you know, Israel's insane. One of the things that's interesting about Israel is, is Israelis are not allowed to enter Palestine. You can't enter Palestine with an Israeli passport. Um, but if you have a U.S. passport, because the U.S. pays for everything that happens there, we get to do whatever we want and go wherever we want. Um, and so what the IDF did, because they couldn't tell us to leave because we had American passports, is they stopped us literally every block and asked to see our passports uh, in order to make it really inconvenient for us. Wow. Um, which was this, like, super—I've never been more aware, right, of, like— of how that my identity like shapes how I move in the world, perhaps right. Like, mm-hmm. um, I I can do whatever I want here, um, but I can only do whatever I want one block at a time. Um, and so, um, yeah. And so, so maybe the the movement here, the way why I, why I normally tell people that I'm Lutheran and why it matters that I'm Lutheran is that um, if I had to write like an endorsement essay or approval essay again. It would be about freedom, right, and the freedom that being Lutheran gives me. Um, and so Lutheran moving into 
to baptism, to, to, to Christianity, to, to that piece of identity gives me incredible freedom, like unlimited freedom to, to be in, in relationship with people and be in places um, that I wouldn't otherwise be able to. And so maybe that's the, the flipping through, the flip into good news. Because um, then the good news kind of travels with that same kind of passport that can come and find us in the places where rulers rule unjustly, where uh, there is no fear of the Lord. Um, it can even uh, perhaps travel to uh, kangaroo court, right? Um, that was the other side of my Israel-Palestine story. When you go, as a religious leader in particular, um, you get, they'll ask you questions on your way out when you like, are at the airport leaving like Tel Aviv, and they wanna know where you've been because they'll give you a, they put a sticker on your passport, right? And they keep track of like where you, what kind of a, a security threat you are, right? So like if you get really involved in like the movement that's like the boycott, whatever, BDS or whatever it's called, um, in the US, they'll like put you on a list and they won't let you in the country again. Um, and so like when you leave, if you're like, oh, we went and like, actually we're a big group of like Palestinian sympathizers, uh, they're gonna be less likely to let you in again because uh, they can do that, right? Yeah. And so we were instructed to like not lie, but to like really emphasize the religious tourism parts of of things. We went to the Holy Sepulcher, we went to see a galley, all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. um, I was encouraged to wear my collar uh, so that I could be like the clear leader and like they'll talk to me and like really emphasize how Christian we are and stuff. And um, I thought when they asked me as a group leader questions, I kind of expected them to be like, oh, look at these Christians, great, yeah. And I'd be like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But that is not what happened, Matt. Uh, I got very forceful questions about where we went and what we did. And I thought I was had done a good job of like saying the things that needed to be said for it to go smoothly, but I was taken to like a back room and interrogated and they took all of my what? stuff apart. Um, you know, and I'm being held by Israeli security service, uh, uh, forces in an airport detention area. And like, nobody got to come with me, you know, to like hold my hand. You know, my mom is out there. My mom came on that trip and like my mom's out there hoping she sees me again. Um, and you're aware of like how completely powerless you are. Right. Um, and uh, the good news for anybody who's been in a situation like that, which sounds ridiculous because it's like a stupid, crazy, like international travel story. But but who's ever been in an unjust situation where you felt powerless um, and your life was no longer in your hands? Um, the good news is that, you know, Jesus is in that same spot here in this story today um, and that the good news has that uh, goes with you in that passport. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be that Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you, and Jesus has some—I don't know—some connection to some to something beyond that. That like this is not all that there is, right? I feel like that—that mm -hmm. that, the promise becomes really important. I feel like the promise is important. It's yeah. gonna be important. That's good. Yeah, that's mm. good. I haven't heard this story before. No. Nope. Now the Israeli security is listening to this podcast, and they really are not going to let you. I'll have to I'll have to check. I can. I got a five or a six, I think, which is like. Is that bad? <laughs> it's it's out of like zero to nine. It's the last digit on the sticker they give you. Wow. So I was like a five, so like five out of nine. 
So, so great. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, what a world, uh, what a world that we live in. I think um, that's good. That's a good. That's a good story for this Sunday. You should. You should use that. Feel free to use it, listener. <laughs> Just first person, take it. I think I might plumb. I think in my context, I might plumb the depths of. Um, we had a we had a conference, um, LA Metro Conference Assembly on Christian Nationalism, which was which was fine. And once I went, it was like okay, I, I see why they did this. But I was also like. I don't know if this is like our biggest threat in the LA Metro conference of the country. I know this is like a thing, but like the LA Metro, Los Angeles Metropolitan Conference. But but then I was at this thing and they're talking about like, you know, flags and sanctuaries and everything. And of course we all think that's really bad. <laughs> Except that I had just like two weeks ago done a funeral where the Belizean flag was draped yeah. behind the coffin next to the cross. And it was in my church. I, I helped them put it up because I was like, you know, you could use those suction cups. You could put them right in the window and it would hang. <laughs> See, like, I helped to assemble it, you know? I was like, it's great. And I was like, huh, I wonder, like, what is the difference? And um, there might not, I think, I think there are, like, legit arguments that you could make. And you could, like, deconstruct this and say this is terrible. But I think my argument that I would stand on is that it's, there's, like, a, there's a power differential there, right? right? Flying the American flag in America, where you're the, or anywhere, literally. But, like, especially, like, it's, it's one thing versus tiny country for um people who are living in a little remnant british honduras you know yeah british british honduras uh and it was a clue an answer on uh, jeopardy this week (laughs) was it really yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i knew that uh became became belize in uh 81 i believe um and uh, so anyway, I just, but I do think there's an interesting thing about that image, right? Where like you're tied to this thing that's not here. Um, and I know this is like the heaven is my home. I'm not from this world. Like, and that's, this is like, there's a way in which that can become toxic. But I wonder if there's a different way to look at it where you could take that imagery of you're in this world, but not of this world, but, but make it less about like an escapist heaven and more like, um, no, like my, my feet are firmly planted in the promise of what God is going to bring all things together one day. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to that promise. And that, that promise is a piece of my identity, the fact that I belong to that. So when Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world, we're going to think about what kingdom we are from. And we're going to fly that flag, even though we don't live in that place at the moment. Right. I think there's like a line that you could thread to make that resonant for people in my context. But like, I think the imagery works. Yeah, that passport doesn't like it gets you like the the cruciformity of it, right? The cross shapedness of this of this thing is that the it's going to be all about freedom and like shiny shiny stuff. But then the places this passport lets you go are the places of brokenness, death, disease, mm-hmm. all your D yeah. words, right? Like it gets you yeah. into the you're going to now be able to go to unjust uh, systems in society and engage fully in them. Um, that's what this passport's mm-hmm. going to let you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Way of the cross. Good stuff. Hey, hey. maybe we found a Christ the King Sunday. That was, he could preach. We did a whole one without telling your uh, Christ the King story with uh, Saturday. So, good job by us. We did it. We did it. Matt, I've already uh, spoiled it. Uh, I'm putting, of course, on the playlist this week, Clune Snide, uh, song 
Robert Roger Ebert about his dying words. Not last words. I'll have to ask him in person. If we'll have to ask him in person, Matt. Uh, number one to be on the podcast. Number two, were they his last or just his dying words? Uh, where uh, Roger Ebert says it's all an elaborate hoax. It's a lovely, beautiful song that I've probably put on the playlist at least two other times now. But I'm going to put it on there. Uh, if you're looking for some sad songs, uh, there are a surprising number of songs about last words, Matt. And uh, I'm going to suggest you listen to Steve Earle's Last Words, which came out in 2021. And uh, it's a heart wrencher. It's about his, the last time he talked to his son, Justin Towns Earl, before mm. uh, he uh, uh, took his own life. Um, so that's a good one about last words. And then um, as I've been super deep diving into REM right now, Matt, I've, uh, if you go upstream from REM, you end up with the Velvet Underground. And I've never really... I know I've heard a lot about how important the Velvet Underground is. <laughs> Uh, but I've never like deep dove myself like into them. Uh, so I'm listening to some Velvet Underground and uh, I'm going to put I'm Waiting for the Man, which is uh, what I hear, which is a song about waiting for your uh, heroin dealer. Um, but uh, I kind of hear that playing as Jesus is standing on the steps of Herod's uh, or a Pilate's uh, temple waiting for the man. Good stuff. Way to do a deep dive. I've never listened to the Velvet Underground either, but I've heard of them. Right? Everybody's heard of the banana album thing. Yeah, album with the banana right? in front of it. Like, I remember I was in high school and I bought Rolling Stone from Walmart. Uh, and they had like the, I think it said like, it might have said that out, that banana album was like the number one album of all time. So, <laughs> I've never heard it. And they didn't have Velvet Underground albums on like the Columbia uh, CD club. So no way to listen to it. That's a crazy yeah. thing, man. We like, <laughs> I could, we could know about bands and then have no way to listen like we didn't have cool record shops in Lincolnton North Carolina that had velvet <laughs> underground like cassettes or whatever right wow they did not sell wow. at Walmart well uh, in honor of Bishop Craig Satterley who once chewed me out on this uh, liturgical preaching on this liturgical Sunday no songs no songs in honor of Bishop Craig Satterley no. <laughs> I love it <laughs> no, I got songs. Oh, what am I going to put on there? Let's see. I thought uh, you were going to the bit. That was going to be fantastic. Which do we do? <laughs> uh, uh, how about End of the World? Uh, it's, it's the End of the World by Skeeter Davis. Why am I thinking mm. of that one? Because it was in the trailer and the movie Eternals, latest Marvel movie. And the you saw movie it. I've seen in the theaters for 18, in 18 months. I went by myself and sat in the corner. Next week, review? Uh, interest, interesting. Interesting. I mean, worth. I feel like maybe we should get... So Will Rose, former guest, uh, offered yeah. to come to the podcast to talk about it. Because <laughs> it oh, does good. have, like... Yeah. The characters are all named after, like, uh, ancient gods. And, like, uh, one of the characters who shows up later is Tiamat. And it has, like, stuff in common with the story. Like, it's, it's very interesting. interestingly, like, inspired. And so I'm... Uh, yeah. But I don't... Is it, like... Was it good? I'm not sure. <laughs> that was, was it? Yeah, I'm glad I saw it. But maybe it'd be worth talking about. So anyway, uh, but it's a great song. Uh, don't they know? It's the end of the world. <laughs> so good. Skeeter Davis. Um, and then uh, Harmonious Dream by The War on Drugs. Really enjoying the new War on Drugs album. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, and then... Uh, since I'm contractually obligated to put a Clemson Night song on 
Forever Just Beyond. That feels like mm-hmm. an appropriate yeah. title for this Sunday. So good. So good. Oh, Matt, our lives are going to change forever this weekend. We begin <laughs> the first official show of The Vinyl Preacher. Production. It really does say, y'all, you cannot see this invitation, but it says The Vinyl Preacher Presents. Clemstein. And it's printed on like, like it looks like nice paper. I mean, it's not like cardstock, but it looks like nice paper. Oh, this I isn't went, like your standard ink gen paper. I needed at least 30 pound paper as a person who like makes like uh, fundraising newsletters and like yeah. sends appeal letters. Like I wasn't going to send you 20 you pound. Yeah. No, it feels like a, this is a sturdy piece of paper. Well, it gets textured. It's got the texture. Zelma really does not like the paper for coloring because it, it's hard to color on with crayons. Did you write this entire, like, did you, you just, you wrote this, this is not, cause I just want to, I just want folks to know. Can I read, can I read part of this? Please, like, please. Uh, Zacharias, it is, that this, this album, Forever Just Beyond, it is work, a beauty and questioning, a reckoning with faith and reality that rushes headlong into the unknown and the unknowable. Did you did you write a review of this album? Uh, no, I, uh, <laughs> I, I copy and pasted off of this website uh, that had like a review. I did like, <laughs> like this is really I worked tense. it a little bit. I did some editing to make it fit to, to make it seem plausible that, that it's a part of the uh, part of the letter uh, <laughs> well it works it works <laughs> you got a special edition one I have to confess to our listeners Matt that uh, I sent out like six of the I mean we're keep trying to try and our best to keep it really small which is hard for me to do because uh, I've wanted to tell everybody about it you know for weeks mm-hmm. and people are like oh is it still happening and I'm like uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, we can make this work. But uh, I was a little too embarrassed to write vinyl preacher productions on some of them for people who didn't like who <laughs> don't know about the podcast podcast or anything. So you got you and a couple other people got the vinyl preacher productions return address. Amazing, amazing. Well, Matt, I look forward to seeing you uh, in less than in about eighteen hours. Indeed, it's it will be real. It'll be real uh, chilly, probably.